you guys should record. Can I have some more whiskey? Yeah. yeah. It's hiding it from me. We're I... not actually drinking in the video. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Do you think your mom's gonna listen to this podcast? Um, I think she'll probably listen to an episode or two and then be like, this isn't funny. <laughs> she'll be like, this is this this weird sexual autistic anti-humor that's in right now. <laughs> what do you I don't even know what you can Autistic? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. It's on the spectrum, certainly. Mm. Mm. No, she doesn't uh that uh was stolen from Megan Amram's Twitter bio twitter bios are weird man i didn't know that you had a twitter like i didn't know how does twitter work uh twitter uh also known as tutor is a uh like think of it as artisanal <laughs> text messages okay but to everybody Mm. Mm. I'm, I've heard it's very popular. Mm, artisanal. Artisanal. <laughs> mm. So you sold this Android phone. Mm. I did not steal that Android phone. I found it mm. uh, several months ago, mm. like half a year ago, I think. And everybody in my life is like, why don't you use this phone? Why don't you use it? Uh, it but it frightens me and it frustrates me. Yeah. And that's why I don't use this phone. I'm using it now because I need uh, to read a textbook. My computer's broken. I need to read a textbook that is on my computer anywhere I go. I need to take that and read that. Mm -hmm. But I, it's not it's not forming it's not serving its purpose, is it? It's not, you're having some trouble with that phone. Uh, I am. I am. I'm trying to use do with do a thing with it that you're supposed to be able to do quite easily, which is f like flash it and take everything off of it and then put the stock experience on it, just like the way that it's supposed to be when Google designed the software and just like put that on but they're not making it easy for me. It's the first time I've ever done it. It should be a relatively simple process, but it's being becoming complicated and I'm not quite sure how to fix it. Um, so more research is needed, uh, but unfortunately there's other stuff on my agenda before I can finish that research. Thank you for your help. Mm, you're quite welcome. If anybody has some, some just menial jobs that they need Spencer to do, mail them in to the studio and we will do them for you. Yeah. You can reach us at Rhonda at RondoNeal.com. Please email Rhonda. <laughs> he mows lawns, fixes cars. Mm, sure do. Laundry. Good at laundry. I'm really good at laundry. Really good. Hmm. Mm. So I ate something pretty disgusting. I ate a lot of some really disgusting things today. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, it's actually it was uh, chocolate cornflakes. That's not like, pretty good. Not like the cornflakes that are flavored chocolate, but mm -hmm. you melt chocolate and then you put the cornflakes in them and then you put them in the fridge. It's just like a wad of chocolate and cornflakes. It's delicious. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, sounds amazing. It is amazing. Why is that disgusting? Because I ate like I don't know five pounds of it. Mm, five pounds. That may be an exaggeration. Five pounds is like ten percent of your body weight. Mm -mm. That is definitely not true. Is that? That's not true. Five pounds is like 1% of your body weight. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was supposed to be like, a, oh, that would look, this is a compliment, but it turned out to be like, this girl can't do math. So. <laughs> if it was 1% of your body weight, you would weigh 500 pounds. Oh, shit. 
I do. And if it was 10% of your body weight, you would weigh 50 pounds. <laughs> this girl can't do math. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut that out. Eric will take care of it. Uh, we should keep that. That was funny. Mm. First funny thing I've said this episode. It's a good episode. One of our best. Finest. Mm. Our finest hour. We had our first guest the other uh, episode. Oh, Eric? Yeah, he was good. Different Eric. Not post-pro. No relation. Won't talk to us. No. He's actually mad at us right now. Fuck. Not our guest, but post-pro. Something about fair wages or something. I don't know. He just yammers on about them. Yeah. Well. I'm so mad at my boyfriend. He's so rude. He was like, blah, blah, Xbox football, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my God. And he was like, blah, 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 let me do anal sex to you. And I was like, no way. <sighs> okay, though. <laughs> he's like really rich. And he's got all his friends. And I was like, okay, I guess. Am I a slut? What? Let's talk about sluts. Hi, I'm Ashley. I'm from LA. I'm a Sagittarius. Um, I'm really into, like, healing energy and, like, thinking positively and, like, personal improvement and, like, yoga lattes. <laughs> yoga lattes. I haven't heard that before. <laughs> P90 yoga lattes. Cross lattes. Cross lattes. So relationships. Sluts. You said you'd like to talk about them. I don't believe in sluts. I don't believe that's a thing. Yeah, neither do I. But uh, my character believed that they're a thing. And, you know, that's something that we can reflect on. Think about the limits to the way that it constrains our knowledge. The way that it enables us to think in ways that are potentially biopolitical and or problematic. And, like, find openings to consider new epistemological openings into valences. I'm going to stop you there. Okay. All great things. Um, let's do some of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I have this friend. I had this friend. I have this friend. And she said something offhandedly that several years ago mm. on the subject of sluts that really stuck with me. And maybe you can help me figure out why. So she said, I don't care. Like, it's okay to be a slut. I just want you to admit that you're a slut. Hmm. And it, it really bothered me. <laughs> Obviously, it would be a bothersome thing to say. And it was like a joke. She was like, all these girls talking about how they're not sluts, and it's totally cool to be a slut. Just admit it. Just admit you're a slut. Well, it seems to imply a certain kind of judgmentalism towards promiscuity. Mm -hmm. a, a narrowly defined promiscuity of, like, this number is acceptable and this number is not acceptable, and, like, these behaviors are and are not acceptable. So, okay. While we're on the subject, let me let me have another provide another opening into this topic just to join in the fray. Okay. So I'm 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 a little bit sick of like all these people who are like, I read the ethical slut and now I know like everything about how relationships work and like I just need it's fine. I don't have to call people back. I don't have to like meet people when I say I'm gonna meet them. It's just like whatever, man, and like it'll work out and whatever. You'll have to tell me what the ethical slut is. No, it's just this I haven't read it either, but it's this book that everybody's like it's like how to be, it's like it's okay to be a slut as long as you do it ethically and you're like, you get tested all the time and you have like healthy sex, then you're fine. 
I mean, those are important things. Healthy sex, I think, is important. Sure. <laughs> so the idea is like, what, what, what? I have complicated thoughts about <laughs> what healthy sex means, but. Sure. I mean, okay, fair enough. But I'm sure that everybody would want to practice whatever healthy sex is for them, maybe. Yeah, but my point is, you just because somebody says it's okay to have sex with many partners, that doesn't make it okay to be emotionally unsupportive. It doesn't make it okay to make commitments you don't follow through on. It doesn't make it okay to treat people like objects. Okay, yes. And I don't think that's... But that's not a thing that only happens when you have sex with many partners. That's the thing that happens when you have sex with only one partner for your whole life. You sure. can be all of those things. And in fact, the person that you were talking about very recently that we got, entered into this topic about sluts, I think was behaving in a way that treated people as objects. Yes. And held them as not worthy of respect if they did not... Admit like, to being sluts. Admit to being sluts. Which is an interesting contradiction. The idea of admitting to being a slut is to kind of castigate yourself. So on the one hand, there is the move that says like, you can say I am a slut, but in, in so doing, typically saying I'm a slut and like acknowledging that or accepting that uh, identity is there's an implicit notion of like, but I am reclaiming slut. That it is, I am a slut, but it is good to be a slut. It's okay to be a slut. What I'm doing is fine. Yeah. Uh, we need to rethink the negativity, the negative valence of slut and instead think about it in a way that I said valence like four times today and instead <laughs> think of slut as like a thing that's positive that we can be and take as something that's empowered. On the other hand, there is the, there's the kind of slut that she's talking about, which is a, a profoundly negative valence, which says like, I am a slut. I have failed as a woman and by not protecting my purity and like my chastity and I've, I've been giving it away and like I admit that I am bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But there's a third option of like slut is the definition of slut is arbitrary and does not exist and it's like not even a thing that we can say this is one thing. I mean it doesn't it doesn't exist, right? Well sure, but I mean as long as you're going to say that there's something there's a fourth option of like not be just not being prohibited from saying it. Okay. Of like banning the use of it. I mean, I, I, there are like a, an infinite number of meanings, but I'm not sure it's easy to erase it from our vocabularies by Fair banning enough. it or wishing it away. Okay. So what you're frustrated about is people like using promiscuity as a way to dismiss interacting with each individual person as, um, as without decent and as... nice and that you like being respectful that, that, I'm 100% all for a politics that says it is okay to be a slut and or there is no such thing as a slut. Like it's, it's just, it's so, it's borders are so radically porous that like it doesn't make sense to use. That's fine for me. But what's not fine for me is to be, is to say like, I'm a slut and that's okay because like whatever. And like that part is fine. But the part for me that's not fine is being a slut means not being responsible and respectful. It why means, why does being a slut mean not being responsible and respectful? What where's the connection here? The connection is her is the kind of the, the joke implicit in what she said and the reason why I think she said it based on your your anecdote was that it was funny because who would ever admit that they were a slut because because the kind of sluttiness that she wants these people to admit to, quote unquote admit to is one in which they're uh they're they acknowledge their their wrongness of like how bad they are. 
So here's the thing. Okay, yeah. I have two things to say, yeah. and I hope I remember the second thing by the time I finish with the first thing. The first thing Please. is that I think that what bothered me about her comment mm -hmm. was that she um, is has the idea that she is a um, like sex positive person, and okay. and that being a slut is not a bad thing, mm. and that her comment was like, "I'm for promiscuity." But you have to claim, like, you have to claim it. But the way that she, mm. but the way that it, the, I think that was, like, just not what her meaning was. I think what her mm. meaning was, like, I'm for this, except I'm not actually for this. You have to tell me if you're this person. You have to, like, you have to, you know, raise the, to put the A scarlet letter shit on you. But I'm totally for it. It's just a, it's just a separate category from what I am. So I think what what bothered me about the thing was that it, it demonstrated, like, a hypocrisy in her idea of, like, how women should, should participate in sex. And I think what bothers you about it is that you feel that women use promiscuity as an excuse to not engage. Women and men. And women and men. Men, certainly. But men don't get attacked for it as much. Oh, I will attack a motherfucker who, like, doesn't call somebody, one of my friends back. I believe you. But it's like, it's like, oh, this dude didn't call me back. And then it's like, oh, of course he didn't call you back. He's a slut. But it's like, oh, this girl is sleeping with like a bunch of dudes. Then it's like that dirty whore. Fuck that shit up. Sure. Okay. But, um, so the, you said you wanted to talk about the second thing and I, I want to talk about the second thing. My second thing. Yes. Yeah. Did I say the second thing already? No, you did not. My second thing. I way. think I kind of just trying to lead into the second thing. The second thing is that like, I think part of, part of why people have a negative idea of promiscuity is that it is that people assume that sleeping with a lot of other people or they're like, okay, mm, okay. So what, let me try again. So the idea that promiscuity in sluthood means that you're not going to be respectful, that combination of those two things. I think that mm. being respectful or being disrespectful happens on every spectrum of the quantity or types of sex you have. And that people associate it necessarily with promiscuity in a negative way. And that's part of the um, assumption, the incorrect assumption of promiscuity is that people are going to be disrespectful. So you're saying you're upset about people using sluthood as an excuse to be disrespectful. But I think what you're saying, actually saying is that you feel like sluts are disrespectful. Mm. No, there are plenty of people who, and I've had partners, and I have maybe been a partner that has had many partners ongoing or, you know, serially that where, where you like, you say that you're, you, when you're, you're just honest in your communication with them. I feel like there are some people, I feel like being a slut isn't going to be a good thing either way, but, or not going to be a good thing either way. It's okay to be a it's okay a question of what we mean by the word slut. If by slut we mean somebody who has, well, it's hard to say, like how many partners the average person has. Maybe some sex researcher has the answer to that question, but it's really not relevant to me. Uh, I'm interested in honest, ethical, felicitous communication between people to the point where it doesn't matter to me how many people that you sleep with or how often you sleep with them, or how you sleep with them, or how many at a time, or when you do it, or what your job is, if you do it professionally, that's all fine for me. The thing that matters to me is consent. If everybody's consenting, then it's fine. So, but there are a lot of people who say, who say like, now we live in this liberated time where I can sleep with whoever I want. I agree, that's great. You can sleep with whoever you want, whenever you want, under, as long as they're consenting, and then it's great. And But then they go a step further and say like, 
so I'm a slut. I can sleep with whoever I want all the time. Yeah, sure, definitely. Also, that means I don't have to care about them. It's not, not that you don't have to like care about them, but it's not your responsibility to, to treat them as an equal person. Yes. Yes. As an equal partner in the sex and in the, and I mean, it is, I mean, I, I don't, it's not a relationship in the sense of like, oh, we're dating or like, oh, we're married or like whatever thing, but it is a relationship. You're having a relationship with that person. Right. And so in that relationship, you should be an equitable partner and consent means in, in my, in my mind that, that like you can be a slut and you can be, I guess there maybe I would accept that there is a positive and negative valence to being a slut, that there is a positive slut where you can sleep with a bunch of people, but you're care about them and you're respectful of them and like. Even if you don't care about them, it's fine as long as they don't care about being cared about. But in your negotiation about sex with somebody and then like having that physical encounter, knowing that if they're going to be affected, like if you go to a party and somebody and you like you're maybe somebody's been drinking or like you meet somebody and you know that they're emotionally vulnerable and you're like, oh, I want to have sex. So I'm going to have sex with this person who's vulnerable. And then like the next day or like a week from then, like they're trying to get in touch with you and like it gets all fucked up and like you there's like big feelings from their part. And you're like, I don't care. You, you should not have had sex with that person. Person, knowing that it was going to get you in trouble. Knowing that, knowing knowing that a person is vulnerable, but the, the idea of knowing that a person is vulnerable and then having sex with them for that reason is predatorial. That's different than promiscuity. There can definitely be predatory promiscuity. I think though there can be, but predatory promiscuity is not consensual promiscuity. Well, I think the definition of consent becomes a little blurred if someone. Okay, let's let's pretend there are two people who are sober, and one person is like feeling emotionally vulnerable, and the other person is is not feeling particularly emotionally vulnerable, but they're both like turned on by each other. They're both attracted to each other, and they have sex. And the person who decides to have sex with that person is like, I know I'm not going to call this person back. Is there an like I know that I'm not going to want to see this person again? Is there then is that like and and if if it asked in good faith the person who was like feeling more emotionally vulnerable at the time asked in good faith if they were like I don't think this person is going to call me back but like they might and I'm going to do this and then they're hurt by it a week later is that consensual sex Yes that is consensual sex I'm wondering how much emphasis is on like if I sleep with them, will they call me back or that I'm never going to call? Like, I mean, you, you seem to put a lot of emphasis on like the attachment that if one person is going to, is going to want like love and care from somebody and the other person knows that, should they not sleep with them? Like, are you saying that if, if you, if you know somebody is going to want a further interaction with you and you know that you're not going to want a further interaction with them, should you just say no? Like, yeah, that's the ethical way to handle it in my mind. And I've definitely been in that situation and done both things. And I can tell you, and I've also been on the receiving end of that. And I can tell you on from both sides. And I can tell you, like, it's always better not to do it. Not only because it's like, I care about people's feelings and I've been super stressed out. And I've been like, I can't believe I did that. I feel so bad about that. I don't know what to do with my feelings now. Like, I feel so bad for this person, but like, I really don't want to see them again in, especially in a sexual or romantic context. And then I've seen people afterwards that I've slept with that felt bad about. And then like, it just cause I felt bad and that's the worst ever, especially if they're drawn, if they're like really attracted to you. You know, and you're like, I would did that at the time because I, I was my, I was feeling vulnerable too, or like I wasn't thinking. You know, but you can never say that. But I think you're oversimplifying, like a, a, I mean, a fairly complicated issue. Like the, it, it, 
in in the moment of, of both people consenting to something that mm-hmm. they both are want, like you can't say that there's only one vulnerable party, like I think you already sure. admitted to, yeah. and you can't say that like a person is going to know exactly how they're going to handle the situation afterwards. You can be like, okay, this person, something has brought them together, and 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 some situation, some previous knowledge of each other, we're assuming, because they know each other's yeah. vulnerabilities to a certain extent, sure. or we know each other's patterns to a certain extent. So you're saying that, like, you're kind of making it black and white. Like, one person is vulnerable and one person uh, is not. One person mm, wants okay. the relationship and one person does not. And you're saying it's it's unethical to partake in a sexual encounter in which one person wants the relationship and the other person does not, as if that's, like, the only power at play in those decision-making processes. No, but I'm just isolating it for the sake of this hypothetical thing. That there are other, certainly other factors, infinite number of other factors that come into play. But for the purpose of the conversation about what, the ethical slut, then I think that that is a relevant one. And I think, uh, sure, I mean, you can point to a variety of other things. Like, what if both people are drunk? Like, is that consensual? It's like, well, maybe. No. (laughs) It's like, what does consent mean at the point where, like, both people are really drunk? Like, if both people are relatively equivalently amounts of drunk, probably would not sleep together when they were sober, then, like, is it consensual sex? No. No No-ish. But, like, did somebody sexually assault somebody else? How could you say... On and a side note, like, in those situations, I usually say if somebody felt assaulted, then that was assault. But sure. not the conversation we're having now. Okay, yeah, no, <laughs> I completely agree. If somebody feels assaulted, then there's sexual assault going on. But if if it's like both people the next day are like, I can't believe I did that. I don't feel taken advantage of, but, but I, I can't believe that I participated I, in I can't that. believe that I participated in that. I didn't want to have done that. Like, in, in retrospect, I shouldn't have done that. I don't want to have done that. I'm sure that happens all the time. Yes. I think that bad feelings happen after sex plenty of times for very <laughs> different reasons. Oh, no. Yeah. More often than not. <laughs> More often than not, perhaps. <laughs> so the idea here is that as an ethical slut, you want to you want to make choices that eliminate as many bad feelings for your partner and yourself as possible. I don't so, think the elimination of bad feelings is the goal. I think an ethics of an ethic of mutual respect or mutual care is that you will leave the person better afterwards than they were before. But that's so hard to say. And and it's almost it's almost um paternalistic. That. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. But I mean like egotistical and almost kind of manipulative to be like I'm only going to make this choice if I'm going to better your life. Like how can you decide what's going to better the your partner's life? Um, and who are you to make that choice for that person? Like, if they're saying, I want yeah. this thing, you can't be like, I'm not going to give you this thing that I also want because I know that it's, I, it'll be better for you if I choose to not do this. Like, you don't know that thing. And to say that, to make that choice for somebody is kind of paternalistic. Uh, and colonialist and imperialist. I can't believe I'm defending Dan Savage here uh, and imperialism here, but uh, here goes. So, but oftentimes, hmm, the role of a... In a relationship with somebody, especially in a long-term committed primary pair bond, people will often care enough about the other person that they will like get in the person's way of doing a thing that they want to do and be like, you should not do this. I know that this is against your values or your principles, or I know that this is going to end poorly for you, and I will sacrifice like a lot of goodwill that you feel towards me and potentially even sacrifice the relationship to stop you from making a mistake that I know is a mistake. And I think that... That is an 
awful analogy for what we're talking I, about. I right know now. that I know that's an awful analogy, but bear with me for a second here. Uh, well, the other analogy that I wanted to use was like like drug addiction. Like you, sometimes it's okay to deny people access to drugs or to like isolate them from an environment that's negative. Again, not working. Yeah, You're saying that either the the choice to have a sexual encounter, a random sexual encounter, a one-time sexual encounter, a, a spontaneous sexual encounter is either equal to a drug or that the choice to stop an encounter because you think that the person is making a bad choice for themselves or that you think that you, you could be in the position where you feel guilty about that afterwards uh, is like is equal to a long-term relationship in which one partner is willing to sacrifice No, I don't goodwill. think it's equal at all, but I think it's it's... It's relevant. But there's no, it's not relevant because the difference between a long-term relationship is that there's a give and take and there's an understanding of each other and there's an understanding of, of what their values are and like to a, a subtle and minute level that you can't understand in the situation of that we're talking about right now. In a non-commercial sexual transaction, okay, in any, in any, just any relation between two people, I think those people should care about each other at a very basic human level of like, I don't want this person to come to harm. Let's... Yes. Well, we should assume that everybody, like, that is a, a priority for any interaction, for yes. any reason, that any two people, I'm glad any number on, of people I'm glad that we're on the same talking there. should care about each other humanly. So, okay. So how about this context? Pity sex, where one partner or one person says to the other person, like, I, like, I really am attracted to you and, like, I really want to have sex with you and it's really hurting me that, like, you haven't had sex with me and, like, I really want to have sex with you and, like, it's so fucked up that you aren't having sex with me. I, I'm sure there is there are many times that it happened before That is broaching on the consent concept again. Sure, I know, but, okay, so, sure, I, I, it, clearly it's broaching, it's, it's calling into question the meaning of consent. But if the person who is, like, is begging for sex from the other person gets what they want, is it... I mean, it's it's not just like very strictly consensual sex, but I don't think it's not consensual sex to the point of like sexual assault. Perhaps it depends on I the mean, context. Not like a physical, like, violent sexual assault, but it's a, certainly an emotional manipulation. There's certainly a manipulative uh, aspect to that. Yes, but okay, and and so not only I think not only does the person who like doesn't really want to have sex, not only is that person obligated to not have well maybe not obligated maybe obligated is the wrong word. Not only is it should that person in my opinion not have sex because if they're being pressured and that's an unethical way to enter into the relationship, they also shouldn't have sex because they should know that if they do in the context where they're being pressured, it's also going to be bad for the other person. That it's going to be... But what's your point here? The point here is that sometimes it might be okay to think a step ahead and that it that a little bit of paternalism is either inevitable A or B, like something that might in the long run be better for that relationship between two people who don't really know each other, but one person knows if they sleep with the other person, then it's not going to end well. So, okay, let's redefine our scenario. Yeah. Uh, so we, we have two people. Yes. One, they both want to have sex with each other. They're, yes. So they're both attracted and want to have sex. Mm-hmm. They're sober. Ish. Okay. They're, they're, they're in the right mind to make decisions for themselves. Okay, sure. <laughs> Sober-ish. Because well, we, we talked a little bit yeah, about yeah. like how... Drugs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. So, and the, the, only, the only factor stopping these two people from having sex is that one person is wants after this encounter to have a romantic relationship or an emotionally supportive relationship and the other partner knows that they will not enter into that relationship. Yes. Okay. I forgot why I was redefining this. I think I just got lost. Okay. So, so in my mind, the person who knows that they don't want a romantic relationship is then 
obligated it, under an ethics of care, of mutual care, to not have sex with that person because they know it will be worse, ultimately, emotionally, for both of them to have sex than to not have sex. Okay, so uh, here's another factor. Do both people know, like, do both people understand that it's like, like, even the person who wants more, does that person still understand that what they're getting is not what they want? Like, did they, are they entering into this bargain thinking that this is going to lead to an emotional attachment, or are they entering into this bargain thinking that they, knowing that this is exactly what it is and it'll not go any farther? Well, this is where it's kind of the, the opposite, the other side of the coin of the question of consent in the context of, like, they, th here's the thing that, where I'm unclear, because a lot of times people will have, and I hesitate to use this, but will have tricked themselves into thinking they want this, they're so interested in this other person that they have convinced themselves that there that there's a great possibility for a romantic relationship or they're like I will the sex will be so good that they will then know that they will have to be with me you know or like everything's going to be so great that they will then want to be with me or they like know if you are really under duress to be like look do you actually think that if you have sex with like if you were to st stop the scene and be like okay you're in canon camera I'll bring you into the other room like do you think this person would actually want to be in a relationship with you they would be like no i don't i just want this i just want this yeah so you're saying that it would be better for that person to not have the sex that they want because inevitably they will not have the rejection of having had the sex and then not getting the thing that they inevitably know they're never going to get. And then it makes it more painful to them to have had sex. The sex. Perhaps, but they, I mean, they also were able to have, like, to, to get this thing that they desired. And then even if it's not what they thought it, would ha it was going to be, then they have had the experience of having, desiring a thing, getting a thing, and then dealing with the consequences no matter what they are. Like, I think that what you're saying is that the person who knows that they are not going to engage in this emotional context has the responsibility to shut it down. But that's saying that the experience of, of, of the person who wants the emotional context, like the, ex the experience of like participating in something, knowing full well that it's not what they want, but also knowing that they want part of that experience, like is worse off for them than the pain of being like never having experienced it at all. Like sure. you're, 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 you're weighing two options in another person's life and saying, I'm going to choose which option is less painful for you. Yeah. Basically at the end of the but day. Th that's, yeah. that's, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's a power that a person can have over another person. Like, I'm sure if there were other factors, like the person being like, I don't want to deal with the fallout of, like, having this person want me and not wanting them, that's a different thing. Like, the, the feeling of guilt afterwards or the feeling of annoyance or frustration or whatever, those are feelings that the other person will have to deal with. And if they don't want to deal with those feelings and, and to back out of the, that agreement or that sexual experience is fine. That's, that's choosing to your own pathway in life. But I think that there's no way to know which experience is going to be more valuable in somebody's life until you, unless you are that person and have experienced those feelings. And it's like, it's hindsight and it's personal. So, and to, to say that you're going to make the choice of, of like, what's going to be better for them or less painful or in the long run, make them a stronger person is completely ridiculous. And in no, it's no foundation except in the like sociopathic idea that you have a broader understanding of life than the person that you're engaging with. Wow. Sociopathic, huh? That was a, probably a strong word. I got a little bit carried away. <laughs> um, well, it wouldn't be the first time I've been called that, but... Uh, <laughs> Certainly not calling you sociopathic. I don't think this is the only kind of decision that you make. Um, 
I only ever decide not to have sex with people because I know that they'll fall so madly in love with me. It's it's really it's terrifying. <laughs> it's really yeah. It's a beating them off with what did you say? Beating them off with a stick. Debilitating. 